on Shafee. Shafee, are you there? That's me. You boys like Mexico? Yeah! <laughs> Partner, Mr. Matthew Bambi. Hey, he's an Emmy Award winning cameraman and nationally ranked pro kite surfer. I'm Randy Magnum, local Emmy winning cameraman and nationally ranked pro kite surfer. That's my that's my podcasting partner, Matthew Ramby, way up on the north side of Austin, Texas. How you doing? Hey everybody, I'm Matthew and Bob's your uncle. <laughs> of course. Schaefer's your uncle. I'm Schaefer here on the east side of Austin, and welcome to One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. We sure are excited to be with you here today. We got lots of lots of lots of business to cover, lots of items to address. Should we kick off with some analytics? How about 418 all-time downloads? Holy moly! How about 128? <laughs> Unique listeners. What? How about the expansion of our international audience to include one download in Ireland? I like your comment from yesterday. When these metrics are right, we won't be hearing about these metrics anymore. Yeah, yeah. Once once the numbers get there, yeah, you never have to hear another number again. Still on the rise. I say we're in the foothills. Uh, that one download in Ireland must be our friend Darren Hogan. So a big shout out to him. Uh, hopefully he's got a whiskey in his hand, and uh, he's uh, and he's drinking it. Uh, Darren, oh, you need to, you, Darren, you need to come back soon. We'll we'll head out to the we'll head out to Mountain Pasture and uh, and drink with the cowboys out there, like you were meant to do, like you Irishmen and and Australian women were meant to do. I say we're in the foothills, but really, I hope. I hope that the truth of the matter is that we're like just coming out of the beach. Yeah. Know? Like on the, on the scale of where this is things going, like we're like the fish that just figured out how to use their limbs to get out of the water. Oh, definitely. But we're you going know, right there. Nights. We're still, nights. We're going to Mars. It's still preseason, right? We're going to exoplanets like Pluto, where you don't even know if it's a planet or just a piece of floating ice. Hmm. That is a nebulous region. <laughs> Speaking of nebulous regions. <laughs> Are you about to talk about the taint? I don't know. The torrent? I ain't. I wasn't. I assure you I wasn't. Were <laughs> uh, you going to talk about football for some reason? I have an announcement to make. Uh, two of my three fantasy teams are undefeated going into week three. Congratulations. I'm Randy Magnum, local Emmy winning cameraman and nationally ranked pro cut. I'm not sure. That just, that honestly, I swear to God, guys, that just played for no reason at all. That makes my, sense. Uh, my, 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 uh, my web browser is running like five minutes behind the rest of the world today. So weird things could happen all through this podcast. You lose. Uh, that's it makes me want to it makes me want to 
go kite surfing at the very least. Oh, well, yeah. Maybe not GoPro, but I mean, just yeah, give give it the old college try. I've seen them out there in the hood. Uh, what is it? Hood River, Oregon. Oh yeah, yeah. They they got quite the kite surfing scene out there, man. Everybody's out there just riding that big old wave in the Columbia. It looks looks pretty cool. Well. How are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing fine. Uh, sounds like I'm doing just a little bit better than you. Is it safe to say? Yeah, I'm struggling just a bit, man. Uh, I don't know if I'm tired or uh, just coming down with something. Hope it's not the COVID. I'm not feeling super great. Probably just tired. I went on a run of like really maxing out my body and brain. This well, if it, make, if it makes you feel any better, I've had too much caffeine for two men. Well, that sounds great. It sounds like you're ready to carry the load. Take a load off, Maddie. Take a load. All right. Do we have a show sheet today? What's, what's happening? Yeah, I mean, so far the show sheet just says, feeling a tad under the weather, maybe just tired. <laughs> That's not all it says. I see something that starts with word of the day. Well, I wanted to talk to you about... In the middle adding, of it is a question mark. I wanted to talk to you about adding uh, a sometimes segment here on One Magical Hour. Uh, maybe a word of the day? What do you think about that idea? I love the idea of the word of, of the of a word of the day. It's crazy how I'm a I consider myself a reasonably educated person, and my uh, native language is English. And I think I'm pretty adept at it. But there's constantly words that either I haven't heard, or maybe I've heard all my life and don't really know the meaning, or maybe I've been using for years and I suddenly realize I've been using them incorrectly. You know, I like, I like to look up a word of the day and it, it meets our first C criterion communication. I tell you what, buddy, when it comes to languages, English is a bad mamma jamma. It is a rough language. How many words do we have? A bunch. Let's try this. Let's try this. Siri, how many words in the English language? Here's an answer from hypertextbook.com. The number of words in English has grown from 50,000 to 60,000 words in Old English to about a million today. A million. Okay. That seems like a lot. Yeah. And that's a big growth from from 60,000. Yeah. It seems understandishable that somebody could forget a word or or misuse a word yeah, um, there, yeah well i don't know i heard i heard our buddy lb say this word the other day and i feel like uh, i'll have to go back and review but i feel like he used it in a way that i thought that it meant like i think he might have misused it but the word is avuncular and I thought avuncular meant jocular or in a in a, a, a or in a jovial manner, but that is not that's not what avuncular means. Uh, avuncular adjective 
uh, first definition, relating to an uncle. Or kind and okay, kind and friendly toward a younger or less experienced person. I, I think that's the I think that's the shade of meaning that I thought it was like friendliness, like amiable is kind of uh, I thought was a yeah yeah. There's definitely there's a positive connotation to it. No doubt about that. Okay, okay. so I wasn't. And that's the thing when you got a million words, there are shades of meaning, you know, that you can't get to unless you have a spectrum of, I would say, at least a million. Uh, and, you know, when you're talking about like, you know, a, a sport, uh, a sporting squad, you know, that that relationship can be kind of familial in that way, you know, say somebody like a an assistant coach or something is like an uncle and, you know, helps you out, teaches you some stuff in an avuncular fashion. You weren't, I don't I feel like you, you had picked up on a, one of the connotations of the word, if not the exact meaning of the word. Well, I'm shooting for clear communication here in the last few years of my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're in the waning sunset of your being. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's really interesting how even people who speak the same native language, <coughs> they, have, they can just have miscommunications all the time. You know, like we we misunderstand each other. We misinterpret things constantly, even though we seem to be speaking the same language. Yeah, and not just, and it's funny that, you know, somebody that you've been friends with or um, maybe even lovers with for a long time, you can, you can still have miscommunications with them, which like, you know, that blows blows my mind, you know. You'd think that that's something that you would eventually figure out. But like so much in this world, we never really figure it out. We never really figure it out. We just keep making the same mistakes. <laughs> keep banging up against that, uh, the, the end of that, whatever that sound means. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Critical stop. Uh, so speaking of possible new sections of the show. Oh. Uh, I know... Oh, you came with the same thought. We have... Well, I just... I know that I've invited more of my poet friends to listen to the show. Um, more of your we, friends? We might have more po uh, listeners who are poets. Oh, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you would like to send us... Uh, original works of yours to read over the air. I've already read, you know, I read a poem by Ada Limon that was really good. I also without her permission. Um, but if you wanted, uh, if you had particularly something that you're feeling really good about, maybe something you wrote that's new that you're excited to get out into the world, or maybe something that has to do with current events, uh, some of the things that we talk about here on One Magical Hour, uh, by all means, send it along to me and I'll read it. To, I'll read it to One Magical Nation who I know are a bunch of poetry fans, because they better be. Sort of, uh, sort of a poetry corner, huh? Yeah, maybe a little, uh, little way to get some, get a little, uh, get a little culture to this, uh, to this backwater swirl of the internet that we- You uh, win! Where you and I exist. Kinda. We all win when there's good poetry involved. 
everybody wins. I really enjoyed that last poetry reading I went to at the at the front page. That was a lot of fun. Your buddy Brendan was in town. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was that was a blast. That was a blast, and uh, boy, Brendan's poetry is really mind bending. Yeah, yeah. He's really talented. Both uh, both poetry and his prose is quite a bit of fun too. Enjoyable, yeah. Someday we're gonna have another poetry reading. I was thinking about that. I've been meaning to reach out to this gal who works in the UT uh, creative writing program to talk with her about doing some kind of a joint thing with them. They're at the front page, kind of up our game a little bit in that regard. I think now that we have a little quiet time to get ready, it'd be a good time to do that. And then when, I guess whenever, whenever there's a vaccine, it's probably the soonest we can, we're going to be able to do things like poetry readings. Yeah, the, the end of this thing is so amorphous. Yeah. It, that's mind bending. I remember when it started, you know, just right into, oh, we're going to lock down and quarantine and places were closing and there was so much confusion about what was going to happen and then sort of the as the reality of it set in like oh you're just going to be you're either locked in alone or you locked in with your kids <laughs> for, for who knows how long it it really uh I, it took a while to like acclimate to that situation i'm not yeah. saying, i'm not saying i'm entirely acclimated but i am more in like uh I learned this from the wire. There's only two days in prison. There's the day you come in and the day you leave. That's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. I've been doing my time, but I mean, I'm making a podcast. Uh, Porter and I were laughing about it because, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, when we've been meeting to reopen, we're talking about when we closed down March 12th and like the first date we heard was, Oh, we might be closed until May 1st. We like couldn't believe that. May 1st? That's going to be a long time to be closed down. And then May 1st rolled around. It ended up being a little longer than that, folks. I don't know if you guys know the... Well, nobody knows the punchline of this joke. Yeah, we're living the punchline of this joke. We'll get to it and we'll get to it eventually. Don't worry. And we'll, and we'll all have a good laugh. <laughs> I wonder when like the world simmers down again if uh you know so, so it seems like the extremity of this situation has kind of brought us to this podcast I wonder if I wonder if that's going to be the end of the podcast don't say that when, when everything when everything just gets back to normal how dare you sir whatever that meant Billy Joel's we didn't start the fire Oh sure, like yeah, like all of a sudden everything's gonna be normal, right, Matthew? Yeah, right. That's coming right up, man. Yeah, right. Just pour some fruit juice in there. Put some fruit juice in there. Just put some fruit juice in there, Matthew. You fashion slave. Fashion victim or fashion slave? You make the call. You make the call, Matthew. You're one of you got the coolest haircut. Yeah, one of the coolest haircuts out there. Really got one of the coolest haircuts out there. 
what's funny about all that for those who don't know uh, how I cut my hair or dress is that <laughs> my haircut is essentially sh just sh shaved your head bald and my dress is composed mostly of shirts that are at a minimum of 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt the other day. I'm like, I bought this thing in like 2003. <laughs> I take good care of my clothes. Uh, yeah, I, I would say you dress classically like a dad in, in, in the best way. Like, you don't, you don't look like a dork or a tool or anything. You just, you just look like a dad, you know? I mean, I wear sort of sporty clothes, which I like. Don't you don't, really you don't look like you have anything to prove. Or you're you know, you're trying to show anything off or I'm not trying to impress. I'm, and yeah. really, until I met my wife, I was really very poorly dressed. <laughs> <laughs> my wife sort of got me going in the right direction with like, you know, having a few nice pieces of clothing and, and then the clothing you buy, um, you know, taking care of it and just, I don't know, generally looking nicer. She helped me a lot. I, I, saw fashion and clothing in my ridiculously idealistic youth as just you know vanity and pointless and would you say that as a young man you you subscribed to the Schaefer Hall philosophy of fashion which is try to keep your most offensive parts covered <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> even if you're not always successful yeah sure <laughs> And I believe I promised everyone some news yesterday. Do you have any local news? Um, I it's not um, local, but I, I do have a news story. I was also thinking that we should change the title of this since we're since we're weenusing with the uh, sections of our podcast today, since we're moving things around and recategorizing things, I was, I was thinking that our, our news section could have a different title just to be less, slightly less derivative <laughs> of the podcast that we have patterned this after. <laughs> like, I don't know, we could call it news of the day or featured fluff or um, Bob's your uncle Bob's your Bob's your of uncle. Bob's your of uncle. Bob's of uncular. Like I, I don't mean I don't know. Uh, just it's just an idea. We don't we don't have to do it today. Today we can just call it the top story. But we. I, like the, but that, I mean that's not re what we're really, really doing. Like we're not doing the top story to us. We're trying to feature stuff that you might have missed because you were focused on the real stories of the day. Sure, sure, yeah. Not, not that this story I'm about to highlight, uh, not that it's not important, not that it doesn't have an important lesson, and not that it isn't an international sensation. <laughs> I, just, I just saw what the story is. <laughs> I, I saw this headline, but I didn't click on it. I'm so glad that you, I'm so glad you picked up. There's a lot going on with this story, and I'll just, look, I'll, I'll quit, I'll quit. I'll quit priming it up here, and I'll just read this. Story. This is from my favorite media outlet, the BBC, from the U.S. and Canada Bureau. 
Man dies from eating more than a bag of licorice a day. And there's a photo of just uh, twisty licorice ropes, just like a big pile of twisty licorice ropes. A construction worker in the US state of Massachusetts was killed by his licorice habit, doctors say. The man, who has not been named but was 54 years old, ate about one and a half bags of licorice every day. I love how news stories always tell the age. He suffered no symptoms before suddenly going into cardiac arrest in a fast food restaurant. <laughs> Describing the man's case in the New England Journal of Medicine, his doctors said the, and I had to, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna, I, I had to look up the pronunciation. Less irisic. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Describing the man's case in the New England Journal of Medicine, his doctors said the glycyrrhizic acid in licorice was to blame. We are told that this patient has a poor diet and eats lots of candy. Could his illness be related to candy consumption? Question mark, Dr. Elazar R. Edelman said. <laughs> he said studies had shown that glycyrrhizic acid, the active ingredient in licorice, could cause hypertension, hypokalemia, metabolic alkalosis, fatal arrhythmias, and renal failure, all of which were seen in this patient, which makes licorice seem like any regular pharmacology that's advertised on TV, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, hypokalemia is when a person's levels and their blood become dangerously low. <laughs> Talk to your doctor before you start an all licorice diet. <laughs> the patient had also recently, recently changed the type of sweets he was eating. A few weeks before his death, he switched from red fruit-flavored twists to another type made with black licorice. <laughs> so, I mean, this is telling you what we've all known. Black licorice will kill you, right? Like, to me, I mean, I know there's people out there that enjoy it, but to me, it tastes like poison. Like when I read a story that says arsenic, like I get the tape of black licorice right there in my mouth. I don't know. So I, I don't, I, I think that the word needs to get out, you know? I think that the, the behavior change we're all looking for is just less licorice, right? Hey. Listen, RIP to this gentleman, a construction worker from the US state of Massachusetts. Yeah, far be it from me to wag my finger at anybody eating too much of anything. Uh, it's all it's all poison when you consume it in the mass quantities. That oh say, man, and I, like, and then the the details like cardiac arrest in a fast food restaurant, like oh, <laughs> that's terrible. Why didn't they name the fast food restaurant? I mean, yeah, what? that's a place you know. That's a place where you don't want to go. You know, you don't want to die in a fast food restaurant. No, you know? restaurant is like a, it's a necessary evil, right? I mean, it's not. I want to die eating black, like, like I, want to, I want to die in a wide open sunny field eating like plump grapes and drinking wine. Or, I don't know. Or like, I, what's the list? What's the list of things you would rather die eating than black licorice? My list is a long one. Well, now it doesn't say that he was currently eating black licorice. Oh, I see. But he, but he was that that he was. It just says that he he went into cardiac arrest in a fast food restaurant. I see. 
but that does bring up an interesting question like where do you see your death happening i mean it, you're you're likely to die in a car of course um I think it's statistically most likely to happen in your bed, isn't it? Yeah, I guess in your bed, you know. Uh, I, I don't know. But I'd like to be on a mountaintop. Yeah, high on a mountaintop. Yeah, that seems like a good place to die. With your podcast partner feeding you grapes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, this turned into something else. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you can feed me grapes on a mountaintop anytime, buddy. <coughs> Speaking of taking the podcast to a funny place, do you want to? Do, do you want to do some? Do you want to do some? Uh, some podcast partner questions? Wait, don't you have a a news story? Shouldn't we throw it to our international correspondent, Schaefer Hall? I suppose that for our international listeners, we should throw it to international correspondent. I like to save the quiz for the end so that uh, all the quiz haters can log off. International, international correspondent and local uncle Schaefer Hall. Thank you for the introduction, Mr. Matthew Ramby. Local uncular. Luncular. Luncular correspondent. Luncular is when your uncle lives in the same town as you. <laughs> and he treats you nicely. So I promised this, this story to you yesterday. I dug it up. The story is way, like, I remembered this story being long. It's even longer than I remembered it. So I'm going to just, I'm going to give you guys the first uh, paragraph or so. It's got some dazzling deets in it. And then I'm going to kind of just scroll through and give you what I remembered. And then I'll, I'll tweet out the, I'll tweet out the story so you can, uh, you can read it, read it on your own if you want to, based on what, what you hear from me. But, you know, we talked yesterday about those, uh, Hindu, uh, religious, religious sculptures that had been that had been found, uh, if far, like on the other side of the world from where they were supposed to be in, you know, in somebody's, uh, auction house. Uh, and it reminded me of this banana story that I read. This is uh, from GQ. <clears throat> and it begins, the pattern of the heists were evident only later, but their audacity was clear from the start. The spree began in Stockholm in 2010 with cars burning in the streets on a foggy summer evening. The fires had been lit as a distraction, a ploy to lure the attention of the police. As the vehicles blazed, a band of thieves raced toward the Swedish royal residence and smashed their way into the Chinese pavilion on the grounds of Drottingholm Palace. There they grabbed what they wanted from the permanent state collection of art and antiquities. Police told the press that thieves had fled by moped to a nearby lake, ditched their bikes into the water, and escaped by speedboat. The heist took less than six minutes. A month later, in Bergen, Norway, intruders descended from a glass ceiling and plucked 56 objects from the Chinese collection at the KODE Museum. Next, robbers in England hit the Oriental Museum at Durham University, followed by a museum at Cambridge University. Then in 2013, the KODE was visited once more. Crook snatched 22 additional relics that had been missed in the first breaking. Perfect! Had they known exactly what was happening, perhaps the security officials at Chateau de Fontainebleau, the sprawling former royal estate just outside Paris, could have predicted that they might be next. So, 
first of all, you know, awesome. Any uh, any heist that involves mopeds that are ditched in the water to jump into a waiting speedboat and speed away is my kind of heist. It but, reminds me of the Great Muppet Caper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just straight out of the movies, uh, you know, and then like and coming, you know, through the glass ceiling and rappelling down. These criminals are careful and professional. They often seem to be working from a shopping list, appear to content to leave behind high value objects that aren't on it. You'd think Jason, so, you'd think Jason Statham's in there, right? It turns out- Driving them somewhere. It turns out that this is a gang of crack, like super ninja thieves that has been assembled by the Chinese government and paid for privately by extremely wealthy Chinese citizens. To, and their whole job is to just travel around the world stealing back you know, cultural and religious artifacts that have been stolen from the country of China. I think you gotta know somebody to get that job. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you're gonna find it on Indeed. They didn't put it up on Craigslist? Yeah. <laughs> Telecommuting, okay. Uh, <laughs> a space ninja thief right there on top of your res for much of the 20th century China's leaders hardly seemed to care about the country's lost and plundered antiquities art was a symbol of bourgeois decadence fit for destruction rather than preservation like my fashion sense in the 90s by the early 2000s however China was growing rich and confident and decidedly less communist the fate of the country's plundered art was seized upon as a focus of national concern and pride. China. Suddenly a new cadre of plutocrats, members of the country's growing club of billionaires began purchasing artifacts at dizzying pace. For this new breed of mega rich collector, buying up Chinese art rep represented a chance to flash, not just incredible wealth, but exorbitant patriotism. USA. That's crazy. I mean, it's an interesting story, but it's tough to follow that licorice tale. Yeah, both two, two definitely two dazzling tales. Some dazzling details in both of those tales. Well, uh, let me give let me just give credit to uh, I'll, like I said, I'll tweet this out so you can read the rest of it if you want to. Uh, but credit to Alex Palmer for uh, for fantastic writing style. And fantastic job, uh, fantastic job of uh, researching this article. I can't imagine there are too many people who uh, maybe they were excited to talk. Maybe maybe they wanted to brag about it. But um, there's lots of people out there who just can't imagine a regular life, uh, you know, grinding it away in a cubicle that they gotta. You shoot for the stars and become ace ninja thieves working at the behest of a, of what did you say? It was like a private trust, but really <laughs> by the Chinese government. Or, uh, or, or they got to become podcasters. Right. If you want to be your own boss, people, get yourself a podcast. People who aren't content to just, to just meditate and stare at the wall and think about things. If you want to really set up some security for your future, <laughs> <If> you <want. laughs> start yourself 
uh, comedy podcast. And make, it, and make it as only only very occasionally funny as possible. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, skimp on the humor. That way people have to keep listening. Don't skip. Never skimp. I like to get, if we get one funny thing in each podcast, then it seems worth it. Like, yeah. Like, remember when we talked about avuncular? <laughs> that was hilarious. But, well, obviously we're going to laugh if we can make super fan Manish laugh once. Um, Jameson, whenever he starts listening again, make him laugh once or twice. I can only assume that, like, he asked us to stop the drops. We doubled down on the drops, and he was just like, oh, forget about this. New listener, as of yesterday, I was texting with our old buddy Kevin Alejandro out in Hollywood. Um, you welcome got listener Kevin Alejandro. You got him listening to the podcast? Yeah. We're going to call him our, our Hollywood correspondent. Dude, let's get him on the podcast. Maybe he's a... We'll just, we can just go ahead and give him executive producership, right? He's like, I will listen to your podcast if you promise never to ask to interview me. <laughs> and you're like, okay. I know he'd love to, love to be interviewed. We'll do that. Let's save that for episode 52. I imagine we will save it for whenever we figure out how we can possibly do an interview on this show, because currently I don't think we have the... Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, this is uh, technological know-how. What are you talking about? We're oh. we are currently in a meeting room that can hold as many interview. We could have a line of interviewees. We could have a queue. Oh, that's like, exciting. It's, yeah, we just give somebody they somebody we can interview somebody from their phone right here, no sweat. Oh. All right, Kevin Alejandro, we're coming for you. <laughs> We're, we're running and gunning, and we're going to catch up with you sooner or later. Sorry, Kevin. I've never met you, but these guys have talked a lot about you, and you seem like a nice person. I've seen some of your work. I, I apologize. His, uh, he and his wife made this short film where they, they like accidentally get involved with a bunch of swingers, and it is the funniest thing you ever saw. Well, where did you see that film? Uh... Maybe Vivo, but I think I think you need some. I think Jameson had some special password for us to watch it. I don't think it's widely available. If it is widely available, uh, Kevin, get at me. I'll, I'll tweet it out uh, for the listeners. Uh, but I think it is currently only privately available. Not sure about that. That sounds hilarious. God, you guys are like just in. You guys are in the in crowd. You and Jameson. You know all the. All the big personalities, and you know my other friend uh, out in Hollywood, Rachel Schuchert. You know she's the showrunner for the Netflix uh, Babysitters Club, right? Oh, dude, that Netflix Babysitters Club is good. It's quite good, actually. Yeah, wow. we Isabel is into the. There's a newer. There's the Babysitters Club like novels, but there's a newer series of graphic novels. And we we read all those. We I think we own them. And then it, it came on Netflix, and that was right during pandemic times. And we were leaning heavy on the streaming services. And yeah, I, I watched a few of those. They they were good. Dick and Kathleen and I watched them just because uh, you know just because Rachel was involved. Um, 
and we really ended up enjoying it. It's also fun to for us to kind of guess what like where we can see Rachel's fingerprints, um, and that's uh, that always gets a good laugh from the from the uh, living room. But uh, yeah, it's a really really fun show, even for even for adults, I would say. Uh, I need to. I should now that we're now that we're talking about her on the podcast. I should tell, tell Rachel that she should listen. Uh, are we ready to? Uh, what's the show sheet say? It's quiz time. Oh, it's my favorite time. You it's win. Super fan Manisha's favorite time. India. Manish, get at us if you're. Uh, Get asked and tell us what you think about the latest manifestation of the quizzes. See if are you coming around to this at all? The uh, the uh, learn more about your podcast partner quiz. Uh, Nine, eight, <laughs> seven, six. There's five. We start. We uh we stopped at uh least favorite housework task, right? We definitely did least favorite housework task. Um, this uh, this is a tough one. Um, name two of your podcast partners' grandparents. Bonus point: Can you name all their grandparents? Oh, I mean, I no. Yeah, I can't either. I've I've met your grandparents. Do you have living grandparents? I do. I have one living grandmother. Okay. Yeah. And guess what? I know that one of your grandmothers passed recently, right? I yes, she did. Uh, but guess what? And I am not winding you up here. I'm not pulling your leg. I'm not ringing your bell. Today is my grandmother Cynthia Burnett's 90th birthday. Happy birthday, Grandma! Happy birthday, Cynthia! Cindy. Cindy. We don't even, look, <laughs> I'm screwing it up. We don't even have any, uh, you know, any birthday sounds queued up. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. My, it's yeah, Lord's Day today. My grandmother, Patsy Rampy, uh, who lives in Portland, Oregon, or Gresham to be exact, uh, she, she turned 90 recently. Wow. Yeah. That's some exciting stuff. And I was telling um, my friends about my other grandmother, Helen. Um, okay, so you've got Cindy and Helen. Yeah. Helen passed away, but when she was alive, she had a bunch of cats. And she would, uh, she had a couple of water guns that she used to discipline the cats. And my grandfather referred to her as. Elena, you know, Helen, you know, he spoke fluent Spanish. Uh, so he called her Elena La Loca de Dos Pistolas. <laughs> that is uh, awesome. <laughs> which is, um, and now they lived like on the border, right? Yeah. Down in Port Isabel, Texas. Huh. So that's fascinating. Um, so say say the names of your grandparents. Say, uh, say like this is my mom's side, this is my dad's side. All right, on my dad's side was Helen Close Hall, 
uh, was my grandmother, and E.G., which was Edmund Grant. That's where I get my Edmund, uh, Edmund Grant Hall. Uh, but he went by either E.G. or his nickname was Sandy, and that's what they pretty much called him his whole life. Mm-hmm. Any acquaintances or close friends or his wife, uh, in fact, called him Sandy. And uh, that's my dad's side. And then my mom's side uh, was C.R. Charles Richard Burnett. That's obviously where Richard gets his name. Uh, And uh, Cynthia Burnett was my grandmother. She's my grandmother. She's 90 today. Okay. How about you? Um, On my mom's side, you had uh, Dorothy Fulfer and Elwyn Fulfer. Ooh, Elwyn is a cool name. Yeah, Elwyn, yeah. It's right out of Lord of the Rings. Um, and they're, they're great. Uh, Dorothy is still with us. Um, and then you've got, on my dad's side, you had um, Patsy Rampy and Arthur Rampy. And Patsy is also still with us. Um, yeah, I was really close to my parents are very young and were, were, were young when, when I was born and I'm first born and I was very close with my grandparents, really close with my mom's grandparents when I was really young. And then as I got a little older, then I became really close with my dad's parents. Uh, they, yeah, they, they You're kind of like me and various times you lived with your grandparents, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, I came back from Arlington for that senior year in Lubbock and I lived with my mom's parents and then, well, I guess I never lived with the other grandparents, but yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my parents were also young, just like, just like yours. Like how old was your mom when you were born? 20, 21. Okay. Yeah. My mom was 21 as well. Huh. But your dad's a little older, right? Yeah. I think my dad was 24. Well, that's almost that's almost the same. I would look at people with older parents and think, "Boy, they got it good." <laughs> I'm an older parent, and I, you know, I, I definitely think there are aspects of that that is advantageous. I, I will say, I will say though that after I had kids, I was like, "Oh, I see why this is for young people." Yeah. Because but I, honestly, I think it's better to be a little older, have a little perspective, be a little more relaxed in the world. Yeah, I mean, my, uh, my friends' parents that were older seemed like, they just seemed like a more stable household. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's to all of our grandparents, uh, both with us and not. Much love to all of them. Yeah. Uh, gotta. I'm working my way towards... I'm excited about question 10, but I'm working my way towards question 11. What um, question are we on? We just finished question nine. Okay, but you're skipping over 10? No, oh. I'm not skipping over 10. Oh, I thought you were like, I'm excited about it, but I'm skipping it. I'm particularly excited about question 11. Okay. Outside of their career, what's something that your podcast partner considers themselves naturally talented at? This is a convoluted question. Yeah, that question could have been worded better. I mean, the reason it's convoluted is because our, I feel like both of our careers and our um, hobbies kind of blend or meld. I don't know. I mean. Yeah. 
you know, you have a career as uh, a, a bar uh, aficionado, um, you know, you, you, you make your money, you know, through service industry, right? Yeah. So is that, is that your career? But then, like, so. but so then the easy, the easy answer here is like, you play poetry, right? Yeah. yeah but like, like, yeah, but kind of like you were saying, poetry for me, it's more than just a hobby, you know? Right. It's more like a career that I don't make any money doing, you know? <laughs> like this one. Yeah. I would say both of us could point to podcasting. Well, dude, and podcasting starts with a P and poetry starts with a P. Whoa. Outside of our careers that we're just naturally talented at. All time life books. We've got a real paradigm shift going on here. Although definitely when I'm thinking of you, uh, soccer leaps to mind. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I was a good soccer player, but what was what's the question again? Outside of their career, what's something that your podcast partner considers themselves naturally talented? I I well, I don't think I was naturally talented at soccer. I mean, I think that I enjoy. I played a lot of sports, but I was not naturally talented, and I I always had to just work hard. I was fast. You know, that was it. I wasn't like, I wasn't naturally talented with ball handling. Like it took so long for me to get good at soccer. And then like, I quit playing soccer because of too many injuries and doctor recommended I'd had a third orthopedic surgery. Doctor said, Hey, don't play any more soccer. And I was like, okay. And then I started playing golf. And then that's just been a brutal psychological beat down. Like I'm not, I'm not natural. My kid is, he's, naturally talented but i but i i will say i think it's more like creativity but i've tried to like really you know like i wanted to be a working artist and i've done everything i've done in my career has had this creative bent to it whether it was you know actively design wise or whatever but you know it was a print shop guy and you know it's like it's always been there together yeah but you know we make poor choices we all make poor choices that's how we make such sweet sweet wine okay Okay. next question bringing us to number 11 and this will be our final question today what is your podcast partner's favorite smell favorite smell (laughs) i'm gonna guess here for you that it has something to do with an alcoholic beverage You know what I think it is for me? What? Uh, Vanilla. Oh. Like if you've got, if you got a, if if you're at, if you find yourself at Pier 1 and you're in front of a thousand scented candles, really the only one I care for is the vanilla candle. Interesting. Yeah. And that is a good smell. Um, Our friend Tara, who was a bartender uh, at the Blind Tiger in New York City, she... Among other things, she used uh, she used kind of a essential vanilla oil as her kind of personal scent. So when she would walk into the place, first of all, like even if you weren't facing her, you knew she was there. Because anytime I smelled vanilla, I knew that Tara had come into the bar. 
but uh, also just generally smelled really good because yeah, the smell of vanilla is a good smell. But it, that could also be like alcoholic beverage too, because have you ever had a shot of vanilla extract? I never have. Here, it's, I've, it'll get you jacked. <laughs> it seems funny that I haven't, but I have not. Um, okay, so let me let me guess at your favorite smell. Is it the smell of the pub the next morning? <laughs> Interesting. Um, Not necessarily your pub, but any pub. Yeah, no. Most pubs, most pubs really don't smell very good. Okay. Um, but that's. Um, I was just joshing you because you know we got comedy podcast right there. And yeah, just, yeah. Or actually, the front page though does still smell good because of all of that. Uh, all of that wood. Hardwood that's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even. You know, even a while later, it's still. Smells pretty good in there. Um, no, my favorite smell definitely, like, and I really didn't even have to think about this very much, is the smell just before it snows. Oh, nice. Like, that is so distinctive to me, and I can think of, you know, both when I lived in Boston and when I lived in New York, but also, you know, down here it does occasionally snow and uh, when we lived in Lubbock, you know, we'd get a, f a few snows a year, actually. Um, that's definitely my favorite smell. Well, that reminds me of my uh, my happy place, like the place where I try to go when I meditate, which is like a, which is like a snow-filled aspen glade. Mm, yeah. I so, I guess, so I guess we have that in common. <laughs> that we do. <laughs> Man, this is the best quiz ever. I hope that once we're done with this quiz, this is like the the dread of <laughs> of coming to the end of the show you're watching. I hope when we get to the end of this quiz that we, we can find another quiz that's equally engaged. Buddy, I guarantee you that there's 5,000 quizzes just like this one, but slightly different. I was ready to abandon the quiz. On the end. Uh, but now I'm back in. Well, thanks for bringing the scene. Bringing, thanks for bringing that quiz to our attention. Dragged, dragged us and Manish kicking and screaming right back into it. Well, much as you predicted, the podcast has made me feel better. Oh, good. I feel like I'm going to live. So happy to hear it. Almost certain. Almost certain. <laughs> It's never 100%, is it? No, no, never. So the, these are some DJ Deputy original beats. Yeah, I got the robot out. We were talking about it, and I'm just, so I'm, I'm just kind of bringing a different beat to every program.
We did it. I didn't think we were going to be able to do it. Somehow we did it. We got to the end of another one. <clears throat> you got any parting words for our devoted followers? Only. I would like for them to remember that the sweeter the podcast, the doper the beats. Very sweet podcast. We love you. Uh, I'm gonna put on the show sheet. We need to go out with uh, my friend Gabriella's band. The stickers. Uh, one of these. One of these days. Not that I, I mean I like I like your music too. Don't get me wrong. I'm just no, no, no. You know that's there's actual musicians out there. Making a mental note. Yeah. Yeah, that's that sounds fantastic. Put it right on the show sheet. All right. Thanks, everybody. Don't stop downloading. Review, review, review. Review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks to everybody who's reviewed. Uh, we need to start. We need to start tweeting and emailing at Matthew about getting our getting our logo made. Oh, yeah. Crack, crack that whip. Fit it right in. All right. Take care, buddy. Take care. Talk to you soon.